Grace to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been dying to say that to a congregation. I'm a relatively new priest, and so there's this kind of holy surprise getting to speak the words spoken by apostles who went before me. How fun is that? Now, we heard this, read, this greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, near the beginning of our first lesson this morning. And perhaps we kind of glossed over it. I know I've been known to do that because it sounds kind of like a pro forma letter greeting. And in fact, for Paul, the author of the letter we heard this morning, it was kind of the standard greeting that he offered to the communities he founded and pastored. But front matter, as my Kindle calls it, front matter matters. Beginnings matter. And I'm assuming that the biblical scholars who put together our lectionary, the cycle of readings that we hear every Sunday, wanted us to pay particular attention to the beginning of this letter on this first Sunday of Advent, which is, of course, the beginning of our church year. And since I happen to know how the rest of the letter goes, probably many of you do too, you'll hear within this kind of extended salutation echoes of the message that Paul wants to send to the community in Corinth. He goes out of his way in this extended greeting to remind them a couple of things. Number one, to be Christian is to be transformed. As we heard in verse two of the reading, those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints, those people who are being made holy, which is them and all of us. He also points out that God gives gifts for which the appropriate response is gratitude. Remember how Paul put it? I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. God gives gifts, and we are grateful. Also, Paul goes out of his way to point out that God is not finished, that God is still at work transforming the community. You hear the sense of longing as they wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, he writes. And perhaps most importantly, Paul also emphasizes that God is trustworthy. He writes, God is faithful. By him you were called into fellowship. The very fact that this church in Corinth exists as a community at all is evidence of God's faithfulness. All right, well, that's a lovely and powerful message of encouragement. But, spoiler alert, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Because, in fact, the Corinthian community was in deep conflict at the time this letter was written. And so the bulk of the letter, which we didn't hear this morning, is actually a kind of pointed rebuke to the community for their bickering over such issues as who was the most charismatic leader in their midst, how their gifts, their abundant gifts, should be used, class divisions and their worship practices, 
Members of the church suing each other, and of course, because it's church, sex. It's a racy letter. You gotta, you gotta take a look at it. <laughs> bear in mind. Now, bear in mind that this admonition was addressed to a Christian community located in one of the wealthiest parts of the Mediterranean, which made Corinth a port city, something of a destination cultural and trade center. People were very proud to live there. Maybe a little too proud? So why would Paul begin this letter offering grace and peace and a generous recounting of all the positive attributes of a community that he's just about to read the riot act to? Some commentaries have suggested that he was being sardonic, kind of like, grace and peace to you, you shameless narcissist with all those gifts that you're showing off to one another which is one way to read it, but that seems a little passive-aggressive for Paul, who's usually pretty direct with his pastoral advice, sometimes annoyingly so. Ladies, for more advice than you ever wanted to hear about head coverings, read ahead to the 11th chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians. Just want to say, no head coverings for me right now. Another possibility, another way to read this, is that Paul is telling them a deeper truth about themselves that they may have lost sight of in the midst of their pride and bickering. We all know this can happen when we're scared or feeling angry or ashamed of ourselves. We can kind of lose sight of the truth of who we are. There's this beautiful parable that Alice Walker wrote about in a book she wrote just after the World Trade Center bombings goes like this. Perhaps some of you know it. In the Babemba tribe of South Africa, when a person commits a crime against a neighbor, against a community, they're taken to the center of the village and surrounded, and every man, woman, and child in the village begins to tell the offending person, the accused, every good thing that they've ever done in their whole life, all their positive attributes, their good deeds, their strengths, their kindnesses are recited carefully and at length, and the ceremony continues until everybody has said everything good they can remember about that person. And then the circle breaks, and the offending person is restored to the community. So I found myself wondering if in this letter... Paul is kind of doing something similar with the Corinthian community, who it bears mentioning he loves very much. He founded this community. If he's doing something kind of like the parable that Alice Walker told by reminding these people of their goodness, of the goodness that is their true and God-given nature. And if that's the case then in that seemingly pro forma greeting, grace and peace, and all the reminders that follow, lies a great deal of truth that it wouldn't hurt us to pay attention to as well. Grace. Grace to them and to you and to all of us. Grace being those unmerited, unearnable favors that God bestows upon us so abundantly, which covers a lot of ground, spiritual gifts and financial and vocational gifts and families. But 
in the Corinthian case, and in our case as well, I'd say, includes the grace of simply being community for each other. Being community is a grace in an individualistic and competitive age. Now, I happen to know that this is your stewardship in Gathering Sunday, or one of them anyway. And so, as you prepare to dedicate a portion of those financial gifts that you've received or will receive in the coming year to this church, my prayer is that you do so with an awareness of where all gifts come from and that you're moved to share them generously with one another and with those who are most vulnerable in our community. Because in a sense, our financial gifts are a way of saying, kind of like the Babemba tribe did, I believe in each one of you. I see the good in you and in the community around us, and I am willing to invest in it. To give that way is a grace. Grace to you. Peace. Peace to them and to you, and to us. And by peace, I mean that peace which surpasses our ordinary understanding because it comes from knowing that God is trustworthy even in the midst of conflict. Now, my two young adult sons live in Oakland, and it happens that they live right at ground zero of where the riots were happening in Oakland this week. And so on Wednesday evening, it was profoundly unsettling to me to hear my 21-year-old son call me and say, Mom, I can't come out to your house tonight because I'm scared to go outside. That was unsettling. And then I remembered that I have never had to tell my young adult sons to be scared to wear a hoodie outside. How desperately we need God's peace in a week when the Ferguson grand jury decision revealed profound racial and judicial disparities in our society. But here's a curious thing. Did you know that the Greek word apocalypse actually means revealing? Many of our Advent readings come from a tradition of biblical literature that's called apocalyptic. Witness, for example, our gospel reading today with all those images of of heaven and earth passing away and the sun being darkened and beware. Apocalypse, the revealing. It's kind of odd in this season where we're kind of focused on greening the church and setting up our Christmas trees. Why the apocalypse? Because God knows. God knows. That's not a rhetorical flourish. That's a theological statement. God knows that sometimes the only path to a true and lasting peace is contending with, coming to terms with, just how bad things can be. And when we're willing to see and hear, to basically have revealed to us the stories of our neighbors' suffering, perhaps that's when we're best able to see and hear and receive the coming of the one whom we long for this Advent season, the Prince of Peace, Peace be with you.
Grace and peace, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the apostolic greeting, but of course to be apostle, be an apostle means nothing more than to be one sent to bear good news. So in the sense, that's all of our calling, right? They are the front matter and the foundation of our common life together, those words, grace and peace. So go ahead. Try saying it, this time with feeling. Turn to somebody nearby and wish them grace and peace. (laughs) And this preacher has nothing to say to that except, Amen.